Tanner, and welcome to the Oxano Podcast. Oxano is a worship service for college students and young adults that takes place weekly during the school year at Dawson Family of Faith. If you're ever in Birmingham, Alabama on a Tuesday night, we hope you'll join us as we worship through song, prayer, and the Word. Thanks for listening. Our scripture reading tonight is from Psalm 19. Verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom, leaving his chamber, and like a strong man, runs its course with joy. It's rising from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple, the precepts of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is their servant warned, and keeping them there is a great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep me back, your servant, also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is the word of the Lord. Y'all welcome back. It's so good to be back with everybody tonight. I was talking with a lot of you beforehand, asking how the first couple of days of school have gone. So I know we got uh, some of our UAB folks that had started last week. Sanford started this week, and uh, Montevallo started last week as well, or this week. I'm looking for some head nods, not getting any, but yeah, okay, there we go. And then we have this, you know, I was just like, are they easing you guys in? And then someone was like, no, it's kind of like they turned the treadmill up to 10 like, and then wanted you to jump on it. Like, I was really looking for them more to just, like, let me get on the treadmill and then slowly work its way up. But I don't know, you know, just no syllabus. I guess the days of syllabus days are gone. And, you know, just to put you right in the deep end from the very get-go. But, y'all, we're carving out tonight to be able to come together to hear from God and His Word. I believe He has a word here for us tonight. You know, with, I don't know when it happens, but everybody says, we're in precedented times, okay? There's precedent, all right? So we'll just establish that. And the precedent, it's, it's hard. It's hard for a lot of us, especially going over an extended break. A lot of us at home, not able to be around friends or family in the same ways that we've been used to in the past. A lot of us are feeling a lot of anxiety, concentrated, heightened forms of depression, that there is all of the depth of emotions, like we have even higher highs, lower lows that have been coming on all throughout the course of this season and especially over this break. And now, I mean, I'm grateful to be back in the midst of routine. I'm grateful to be back in the midst of some rhythms. And I'm glad that we're going to be able to kick this back off as one of those rhythms here tonight. But I agree with C.S. Lewis when he said that 
the full range of human emotions can be felt in the Psalms. And so here, over the first three weeks, as we come back together, as we center again together, we're going to be going through and we're going to be looking at some of the greatest hits. We're going to be looking at some of the most beloved psalms uh, for me, for our team, and for others throughout the centuries. They're all great, but with us looking tonight at Psalm 19 that Cole so wonderfully read for us just a moment ago, I think we're going to be able to pick up on some things that will help us where we're at in the midst of this season and then set us up for fruitfulness in the next. You know, it was one of those things, uh, my wife Becca and I, we've been married for almost nine years now, which is crazy to say. Uh, but nine years, if we haven't had the chance to meet yet, she's awesome. She's way cooler than I am. We have a four-year-old little boy, Thomas. He's the coolest one of all of us. And then Dubs, Will, our five-month-old. Uh, it's crazy around our house right now. But thinking back to a time before it was like it is now, it's a little bit difficult. But going back, there was a time when Becca and I, we weren't even engaged yet. We were about to get engaged. And I went to school at Bama. She went to school at Clemson. So that's been fun the past few years uh, in football. Uh, Not really an issue this year, but uh, she's not here, so I can say that. Uh, But we had, over the course of this, I would travel up to Clemson all the time. I I would couch surf on all of her RUF friends' couches in their apartments. And I just wanted to be around her nonstop. And so we would try to have these memory makers. We would try to do different things together. And there was this place, I'm, I'm going to hold to show you in just a moment, but like, there was this place, it was about two hours away from where she went to school in Clemson, up in the upstate of South Carolina, and she's like, you've just got to go. And I'm like, I don't know if anywhere's worth waking up at 4 a.m. to go. And so it was like, lo and behold, we went, we made the trip, and we go over there, and we show up at this YMCA campground in the upstate of North Carolina. And I'm like, why did we drive this far this early? And she's like, Blake, they don't call it pretty place for nothing. Okay, and so we go up there, we drive, winding, park, walk, it's still kind of dark, and then we go over and I start to, it's like this chapel that's carved into the side of a cliff, and it's overlooking all of these beautiful mountains, and then just a little bit later, I see the most beautiful sunrise that I have ever seen in my life, and it wasn't until I showed Kara this picture earlier that she's like, that went viral on TikTok, and I was like, I don't know. But it's one of those things, like, my, this is something, like, if you are in South Carolina, if you go to UGA, like, this is a place that you have been or that you will go to very quickly. It's on your college bucket list. It's called Pretty Place. And so you go there, and there was people all around trying to, you know, everybody was doing this. I mean, we had, like, you know, the iPhone 2 back then or whatever you called it. But, you know, just taking, trying to get pictures on their 8-megapixel camera. And they were just trying to do whatever they could to capture. Because, you know, it's one of those things, like, with sunrises and sunsets. There's something about those times of the day that like, just seems special. It kind of seems thin, where the line between heaven and earth kind of blurs a little bit. And where you just see something, like when we go throughout the course of the day, like, yeah, blue skies, or maybe it's cloudy. Or at night, you know, maybe we can see the stars, but with all this light pollution, we're not able to really see anything. But at those particular times of the day, with the sun and where it's at on the horizon, it makes the sky do insane things, Right? Like you sometimes see, it can be a little bit more subtle. You get the blues, the pinks, the purples that kind of all mesh together seamlessly. But then you get other times where the sun just kind of catches on a cloud and it looks like (laughs) the clouds have been plugged up into a socket. Like you're just, I know sometimes when there's just an insane sunrise or sunset, I see everybody on my feeds trying to do their best to do what? Trying to capture it. And you know, there are some people that when they go through and when they start to look at these kind of things, you're like, oh, that's cool. You know, just this thing that happened of its own, you know, natural causes and course of events here in this life. Yeah, I can enjoy that. Go on about your day. 
There's some of us that are like, oh my gosh, i got to show this to everybody. Like, this is amazing. And we just see that and it's just something is marked off. It's something different. It's something we resonate with a little bit more. And then for those of us who follow Jesus, is when we see that, it was like, look what God did again. We start to pick up a little bit. We start to have some sympathetic resonance with what's going on here in Psalm 19, especially at the beginning part. Verses 1 through 6. Follow along with me again. This is David as he writes, The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day it pours out speech, and night to night it reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor their words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes throughout all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom, leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. You see right here what David's trying to do, he's saying that the heavens, the, the sky, the firmament, that which is above, the heavens declare something. And the Hebrew construction, it could actually come across a little bit more forcefully active in English. It was the heavens are declaring. It is something that wasn't just happening in David's time when he penned this thousands of years ago. But it is something that has happened in perpetuity. It is something that is happening even to today. It is something that is happening when you walk out there tonight after Oxano. The heavens, the sky, they are declaring something. And you think because of the beauty, because of the majesty, because of the desire for everybody to pull out the phones and for everybody to want to be able to go through and to capture this and to be able to show it to others, you would think that they would be declaring their own glory. Man, look how great I am. You know, if a sunset could talk, right, I guess. But like, how awesome am I? Look at these colors. Look at all of this. Look at the majesty of the stars. If you can see the planets. A couple of weeks ago or whatever, when Jupiter and Saturn, you could see that. My, my son lost his mind. Like see, being able to see planets that far away. Being able to go through and you see, if anything, they could be able to sh- tell of their own glory. But that's not what they're doing. Rather, they are pointing. The world is pointing to something bigger. The world's point is that they are declaring, the heavens are declaring actively right now the glory of God. You know, before we get too far, you know, it's one of those things, I think glory, that's a good churchy word, right? You know, sometimes when we don't, you know, we, we just kind of insert it into when we don't know what else to say, <laughs> right? We, we just talk about God's glory. And really, when you stop to think about this, I've had to do this a lot lately with my four-year-old because as he has an ever-growing vocabulary, and he's always very curious, and he wants to know what words mean. And I'll just start using words around our house, and he's like, what does that mean? I'm like, um, it means that, you know, and just being able to go through it. So I'm just, it's kind of a head scratch. You get the glory, and if I were to ask you, how do you, what is glory? What is glory? And when you look at it in the Hebrew, it's attached to the word weighty, weight. Because you see, in Hebrew, there was this idea of if something was weighty, it had importance, right? It's even kind of transferred over a little bit into our language. Like if, it, if something is a weighty moment, like it's an important moment. It's a significant moment. Or like when we talk about like if somebody is a particularly important person, they got some clout, they got some connections, they can pull some strings. And, you know, if they're wanting to make some decisions, what do we do? We say they're throwing their weight around. Like because they have this weight to them. It's carried over from the Hebrew. And so he's talking about right here that the heavens declare the glory. The heavens declare the weightiness of God. 
It has the force of saying that God is the most important being in all of existence. It's the same reason why we see the angels in Isaiah chapter 6 that we looked at last semester. They're flying around the throne of God. And what are they saying? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is full of His glory. You would think they would say after the thrice holy, 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 the whole earth is full of your holiness. But they say the whole earth is full of your glory. Why? Because God's glory is the going public of His holiness. God's glory is the weight, the significance, the importance, the majesty of his name and the most beautiful sunset that you've ever seen pales in comparison to it and that's why they it would be wrong for them to be able to point the finger to give the glory to themselves but rather the psalmist says right here that they are declaring the glory of God and it is pointing to a sovereign God God himself and you see like this is something that everybody can see this is something, Paul, Romans chapter 1, he talks about there are things that are discerned about God from just looking at the world around us. This is one of those things that we see. He is powerful. That he was creator God. Because of the vast expanse of the universe and its unending complexity, we can see that he is infinite and sovereign. Because it's perfect functioning, we can see that he's wise. And because it is beautiful, we can see that he is beautiful. That it bears the marks. It has his fingerprints. When we go dusting, we can see him everywhere. So what should we do? If there is this revelation, what theologians have called natural revelation, the things that we can see in nature around us, what should we do? You can go outside to the glory of God. It's one of those things. I was reading an article many years ago. But what the, what the writer said was so significant, it stuck, to me, stuck with me to this day. He even talked about like when you were in moments of temptation. He said, what do you do in that moment? And his pastoral counsel was go outside. You see, it's what happens when you are going through the trouble or the trial. What would you recommend me do? He said, there's a long list of things that you can do. But one of the first things that I'd recommend you do is, if you can, to go outside. Why? Because sometimes when we are in that moment of temptation, or whenever we are just so consumed by the trouble or the trial, either that we're going through or that a close one, the one that we're close to is going through, is that we can think that that is all there is. That that trouble or trial is all there is. It is world-filling. It is all-consuming. That it is all in my orbit, and consequently, it is everywhere. And sometimes with our temptations, whether that's going through, and you're looking at these different places, you're, looking, you're in your bedroom, and you think, oh, this is just all there is. Whatever happens in here is not going to be going out affecting anyone else other than me. You could be looking and going through your bank account, <laughs> You could be down at a bar. You could be over in your web browser and you're like, there is nothing beyond this location right here. But what you can do is when you go outside, things get properly sized up. That maybe what you were experiencing in a concentrated form before now starts to dilute just a little bit. As you go out and as you start hearing, as you start seeing the heavens declaring the glory of God. If you're going through a trouble, you go outside and you see 
The seasons are changing. And God has been faithful through them all. God has not brought me this far to abandon me. And the way that he upholds the universe by the word of his power, he can handle my life. You go outside, you are like, I just, all I'm seeing is this temptation right here that's in front of me. I don't know how to shake it. I feel like I'm just going to inevitably give in. You go outside. And you start to hear, you start to see the expanse around you. And you realize that there is something, it is pointing to something beyond itself. And sometimes in those moments of temptations, we are just bent on pointing to ourselves. And we are reminded, we are recalibrated to where we should be pointing. So when we come, when we see these moments, what should we do? We can go outside and we can join in the song of the glory of God. We can declare His handiwork of which you are a part. That you will be, and this is something that I do with our dog. We have a golden retriever, he's five, he's awesome, full of energy still. And when I let him out in the morning, when I let him out at night, when I take him on walks, this is something that I'm able to see. And it's, this is a verse, if you want to memorize a passage, Psalm 19, verses 1 and 2, the heavens declare the glory. I just look up in the, what has been the cool nights, unseasonably warm today, right? But you look up in the cool of the night and you see the stars. He has every one of them named. That you see the heavens declaring the glory of God. At the beginning and at the end of the day, it sizes up everything that's happened in between. That we join in that song. But you see, David, he doesn't stop with natural revelation, just the things that can be seen in the world. But he moves on in verses 7 and 11. We can know God's will in his word. We don't just see God's glory in his world, but we can know God's will in his word. Follow along in verses 7 through 11. And as I read this, picture me verbally turning a multifaceted jewel. Okay, because it might sound a little bit redundant, but with each turn of a verse, of a line, you're going to see something in just a little bit of a different light. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. So what are these verses trying to communicate to us right here? Well, it's trying to show us that the word of God is supreme and can transform your life. The word of the Lord is supreme and it can transform your life. These first three verses in this section, they all have this common structure. It begins with the name, it begins with the name for the word of the Lord. Like we see this right here, right? The law, the testimony, the precepts, the commandments, the fear, the rules, all of these things. A name for the word of the Lord. It describes a quality that it possesses, and then an action of what it can do. It testifies to what it can do in your life. And it begins with the word. It begins with the word right here. David, he's moving from what is revealed in nature generally that everyone can see and observe to now what is revealed specially 
in the Word. You see there are similarities because, I mean, in the same way, the Son is the most glorious thing and gift for physical life. The Word is the most glorious and essential for spiritual life. That there are these parallels that you can draw all beautifully, artistically done within this as He was inspired by the Holy Spirit. The law, the testimony, the precepts, commandments, the fear, the rules, all point to the Word. And this is the Word of the Lord. I don't know, maybe you see it. I mean, you see it on the screens. You might be able to see it in your copy of God's Word. You see LORD in all caps. That's another clue that there's a shift here. Because you look at verses 1 and 2. The heavens declare the glory of God, right? That's the Hebrew word El, like, or Elohim, right? You know, being able to go through that. And that's just the general name given for God. And that's the name that is used for God in, that, in this psalm up until this point. But there is a decisive shift in the language that is used. And now it is no longer just God in general, but now it is specific. Lord, all caps. And that is a Hebrew, I mean, that's an English designation for the Hebrew name Yahweh. God's personal covenantal name that he made known first to Moses and then that was given to the people of Israel every time since. That there are some things, like in the name of God that's used, there are some things that can be discerned about him like we talked about. He's powerful, he's wise, he's beautiful, he is sovereign, he's infinite, right? But there is more that is revealed in the covenant, in the relationship, in being in proximity to God. And we get that here in his word. And y'all, this is why we go on mission This is why we go and tell people who don't have access to this gospel. This is why, because there are only certain things that can be known about God by observing them in nature to the point where Paul would say in Romans chapter 1 that they are held accountable. But he would also say later in Romans, how are they to believe unless someone preaches? And how is someone to to preach unless they are sent? That we, how beautiful are the feet of those who take the good news. Y'all, this is why we go, because if they don't get the message, they will die and go to hell. That this is a reality that sometimes I think we just let fall to the back burner. But if we truly believe this, then it will compel us to be able to take this special revelation that we have been given, that we have been entrusted with, that has been gifted to us, and it will not stop with us, but rather we will be a conduit of blessing for the nations to be able to go. That we will go, the Lord might be calling some of you in here to be able to go and to share the name of Jesus where it is not already known. Maybe some of you to be able to translate Bibles for people in their native tongue, for them to be able to have access to the same word that you and I have here and now. We go. Because this special revelation, the word of God, the word of the Lord that has come to us, and what can this word do? What can God do through his word? What is it like? I mean, it's supreme. Look at all the adjectives that is used to describe it. It's perfect. Sure, right, pure, clean, true. It is utmost in quality. It's without rival. There have been a lot of beautiful things that have been written, a lot of compelling stories that have been told, but all of them pale in comparison to the word of the Lord that has been given to us. Why? Because it transforms us. It can shape us. A lot of you might feel stuck. A lot of you might feel trapped in the high school version of yourself. Or in who your parents want you to be. Or who a significant other wants you to be. 
or what everybody else is telling you you need to be, or what you, you, what you did, what happened to you, this, that, and the other. But the Lord can transform you. Look what David says that the word of the Lord does to us. It revives the soul, makes wise the simple, rejoices the heart, enlightens the eyes. It endures forever and is righteous altogether. That God's word doesn't just come and go. This word is active and it has an effect on us. It can do all of these things to us. So when you, come to the, when you come to the scriptures and you read, you come and you have the disposition of God shape me. God, teach me. Not just so that I can be filled with more facts, accumulating knowledge, but so that I can know you more. Jesus, we sung it. Jesus, I want to know you. Jesus, my, make me more like Jesus. Now, the thing about it is, with the Word doing all of these things to us, it illuminates the fact that we need all of these things to happen to us. That we need to be acted on. If it does these things to us, it shows us what we were before we encountered the Word. If we believe this to be true, it means that we, sometimes in default, we're just weary, ignorant, despondent, darkened, perishing, and unrighteous. But the Word changes us and it's because of this word that david keeps writing and he says next to the word of the lord it is to be desired above all else it is sweeter than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb the refining of sugar had not yet been invented and this was tantamount to say that honey was the most the delicious thing ever the only way you could sweeten things was with honey or fruit compote and so with him saying that your word is sweeter than honey is the most delicious is better to me than the most delicious thing that i could put in my mouth and it is more to be desired than gold, even much fine gold. And whatever reason you would want to have gold, security, status, store of value, any reason why you would want to have it, that there is more of that in the Lord. And that if you are just looking to accumulate these things for yourself, none of it, all of it pales in comparison to being able to have Jesus. And there are sometimes, though, I think that just with our access to it, the, the ubiquity, like how prevalent it is, the fact, all the shows, like, I got a stack of Bibles in my office. You know, like we go through, uh, you, you were probably gifted one at graduation by at least five people, right? And you have all these different things, like you have Bibles on Bibles on Bibles, stacks on stacks, everything like that. And you have all of these right here. And sometimes I think we can be lulled into complacency with it because sometimes our familiarity with something can breed disinterest. Right? And it's not until something is taken away that you realize how integral it was for your life. For me, it was in-person worship. right? I mean, I, I was, I'm a minister. right? But it was just kind of one of those things I took for granted before COVID. And then it got taken away from me. And I was feeling the effects. Thanks be to God we're back together. But like I realized, I need, but it, I had become so, it was just there. I could take it for granted, but it was taken away, and I realized how much I needed it. Or it was kind of like uh, it was uh, back in the winter of 2016, you know, all those years ago. Uh, we lived in Georgia. My wife and I had just moved from a smaller townhouse into our first, like, freestanding house over in Georgia. And, I mean, we were st I mean, young. I had no idea what we were doing. The landlords told me everything was electric. It wasn't. We had gas water heater. And we moved in right in the thick of winter. And we had enough hot water for about the first 48 hours that we lived there. 
And so we're there. We have a two-month-old little baby, and we're in two stories. And then the gas people can't come over to the house for another three days. And so for those three days, in the middle of Macon, Georgia, winter of 2016, of course it had to have been like the coldest days of the whole year right then. But if we used any sort of water, it was freezing. Freezing water. And the only way, like what we had to do in that time is I took my son's little whale baby bathtub downstairs in the kitchen and I would boil water by the pot and pour it into his little whale bathtub and march it up the stairs and draw a bath for my wife. Like, you know, it was like Downton Abbey up in there. And so I was going over and so it was one of those things. But even two weeks ago, I don't know, I just, it was, we were especially cold, we'd been outside, but you know, you get a hot shower, warms you up and everything, and I was, got back over to the bedroom, I talked to Becca, I was like, gosh, do you remember that time we didn't have hot water for three days? She's like, oh my gosh, yes. And it just, it just heightened my appreciation and enjoyment for indoor hot water, right? Because it was in having it removed that it showed me how I had taken it for granted. And that, that we haven't always had this. And I think sometimes we can do that with the Word. And I pray to God that it wouldn't ever get to the place where it would be taken away from us or our ability to interact with it. But don't let it get to that point. Just let this be a warning that, y'all, this is integral to our lives. And I know that sometimes life gets busy. And I know that sometimes life gets hard. And there are other things that will be competing for your time, attention, and affections. But this should be towards the top. And I'm not saying that in a legalistic way. I'm saying it for your enjoyment. I'm saying it for your life because it does all of these things in and through us. So what should we do? We should dive into God's word. And when we do, we pray for it to transform us according to the will of God. Would it never become common to us? Would we always desire it more than gold, even much fine gold? I'd trade my treasure and all my reward, Jesus, just to know you and know you more. So we've seen God's great and glorious revelation in nature and the sky is declaring it. We've seen it in the inspired word. Is that all? What do we do now? There's been this revelation. And David now shows us what happens after revelation comes to us. A response is demanded. Look in verses 12 through 14. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then, then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Whenever there is a revelation, a response is necessary. Whenever there is new information that is brought to the table, a response is necessary. Right? Like if you get down on the knee to pop the question and you don't get a response, (laughs) awkward, right? There might not be a relationship anymore. (laughs) That if you go on it, then anytime there is a revelation of new information, a response is usually required, either in the affirmative or the negative. That what we see right here in David's response to this natural revelation, David's response to this special revelation, what is his response? It is prayer and confession. And it is a reminder to himself of the relationship that he has with the Lord. This shows us how we must pray. Well, what do we need to pray for? We need to pray for cleansing from hidden faults. That's what he says in verse 12. I mean, this means that we need to pray for cleansing from those things that we don't realize that we do. 
And they could be sins of ignorance. Now, I mean, notice that doesn't, David doesn't say just because they were hidden that they were not false. But they were hidden from him. Quite the contrary. Even though they were hidden from us, they're still false. But we pray to God to cleanse us from those. And he doesn't begrudge us that, but he does so. We must pray for preservation from presumptuous sins, verse 13. If you're like me, I mean, you'll need a little help spelling that. But like, just look at back at the verse. I mean, this means praying from cleansing from those things that we do purposefully. Like presumptuous, it could be rendered belligerent, rebellious, intentional. These things enslave the sinner. This is why David cries out to God in prayer, Keep me back from these, God. Protect me, preserve me from these sins, because they will enslave and dominate the person who takes part in them. You see, we need to call sin what sin is. He doesn't just say, oh yeah, all this happened. Cool, go on to the next thing. No, you see, when we cheapen sin, we cheapen grace. And so what we need to do, we need to call sin what sin is, because what happens, then after God's grace comes and we pray that our words and our thoughts would be acceptable to the Lord. And we see in verse 14 that we, as God's children, desire to be pleasing to our Heavenly Father. And we must get the order right here. We must get the order. We want our words and our thoughts to be acceptable. Not so that we will be accepted, but because we are accepted. Did you get that? The ordering is important. We want our words and our thoughts to be acceptable, not so that we will be accepted, but because we are already accepted. You see, our words and our thoughts on our own will never make us acceptable before God in their own right. It is only His grace that does that. Because what happens at the very end of the psalm? He's saying, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. He is saying this as one who is already in relationship. One who has already experienced the redemptive effects in his life. Who has been brought back from his sin and is asking to be kept from those things. And we now, as God's children, we want to live as he has made us to be. We want to be transformed in the way that he wants us to be. So what are we to do with this? Well, we fall on our knees in prayer, and when we do, we remember the one who makes this possible. Because you see, we don't have to wait to see if God will answer these prayers. God has already shown us that he has made a way for forgiveness and acceptance. We don't have to wait on the edge of our chair seeing if God is going to be able to do anything about the mess that we're in. Or about what has happened to us or what we did. The only reason why David could pray this at the end of this psalm is because of the son of David that would come later. That the only way that he could have the confidence that the Lord was his rock and his redeemer was because of the rock of Christ that was to come, of the redeemer that was coming to bring back his people from their sins. The only reason we are able to pray prayers like these is because of the clearest expression of God's glory and of God's will and is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. That he is our rock and our Redeemer. He is the only one who can keep us back from those hidden faults. He is the only one who can protect us from those presumptuous sins. The only way that we are acceptable in the sight of God the Father is because of Jesus. Who John 1 would say in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. That He as the Word is supreme and transforms our lives. That everything in Psalm 19 verses 7 through 11 that could be characteristic of the word of God and his special revelation is seen in concentrated form in the word of God, Jesus 
Christ. Because He is the Word who revives our souls. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He is the Word who makes wise the simple. And because of Him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That Jesus is the Word, is the one who rejoices our hearts. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have now received reconciliation. We've been brought back. He is the Word who enlightens our eyes, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized Him, that being Jesus, and He vanished from their sight. That Jesus is the Word endures forever. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. And Jesus is the Word makes us righteous for our sake. He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. That Jesus is supreme and transforms our lives. There has been a revelation. And now there must be a response. You can reject it or you can accept it. You can go on living your life like you were before. Or you can repent and believe. You can turn and trust. You can follow and you can see your life be lived the way that it was always meant to be lived. In and after the one Son of God who came and died on your behalf. Though we were broken and far away, He came near and made us whole. This is the life that is now available for you. This is the way that you can now walk in. Where you will be able to see the world around us and it makes sense. Because it's pointing to someone beyond. Pointing to something greater. That you, as you come into the Word, that you will be able to understand and see that it is all the one story of creation and recreation culminating in Jesus Christ. And now that your story, as you go out, as you walk, and as you live day by day, your life will be able to make sense. might not make sense to people around you, but you will be following the One who knows you, who made you, and has saved you. Walk in this way. Talk to someone else. Come talk to me about how you can take those next steps in following Him. So as we go through, as we have seen the revelation, as we now respond to our rock and our Redeemer, today let's look to the skies. Let's look to God's Word. Let's look to our ways. But above above all, let us look to Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the revelation that has been given to us. We know that this is your world. And Father, we thank you for coming here. For living the life that we could not live and dying the death that we should have died. But that you rose again. Giving us victory. Giving us power. And helping us to be able to walk and to read, and to know, and to live, and to be ever transformed into the image of your Son. Pray that you would help us in the moments of trial and temptation. Help us to look beyond ourselves and our surroundings. God, would you transform us? Would you shape us? Would you keep us from sin? Would you keep us in Christ? This is our humble prayer in Jesus' name. 
Thanks for listening to the Oxano podcast. If you want more information on the songs that we sing at Oxano, you can find us on Spotify at Oxano Songs We Sing. If you have more questions about what it means to follow Jesus or about next steps in following him, please email us at connect at dawsonchurch.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.